You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. Packers Talk. It's a jigsaw puzzle in which we already have too many pieces in the jigsaw puzzle. And by the time we throw away the ones we don't, there's like this tiny little hole, tiny little piece that maybe we can fill something in. And J.J. Watt is this huge, massive piece that's never going to fit into that jigsaw puzzle. All right, Cheesehead Nation. We're back with another episode of Cheesehead Radio. Sending us all into our off-season of somewhat despair and hopefulness. Joining me tonight is the amazing Kelly Hodgson. You can catch her at That Packer Grill on Twitter. Not with us tonight, perhaps showing up later, will be Jersey Albraco of Packer Stock and Cheesehead TV. He can be found at, at Jersey Al GBP on Twitter. And as for me, I'm C.D. Angeli. You can find me at Tundra Vision on Twitter. It has been a great roller coaster ride. It's a gut wrenching ending for our Packers and probably the most difficult Super Bowl for us to watch in a long time. But the new season has begun. So let's get on with our four quarters of football. The Playbooks. All right, Kelly, we're going to start in with our first quarter, and I suppose you know, we have not recorded uh, since the Super Bowl, so we're just going to give a little bit of agonizing <laughs> attention to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and, I suppose, their quarterback winning the Super Bowl this year. So disappointing for us as Packer fans. I'm kind of glad we had a couple of weeks to let this just stew so I'm not just abject anger. Um yeah, it, it rubbed the wrong way. And if any of the teams that would win the Super Bowl, the last one I wanted was Tom Stinkin' Brady. And no, I'm not sour grapes because he's really good. I'll give him that. He's one of the best, if not the best, quarterback to ever play. But he just seems like such an incredible, arrogant jack wagon. Well, I think anybody who probably has won this many Super Bowls, which nobody has, uh, is going to end up being somewhat arrogant. I, I, I can honestly tell you, this is the first Super Bowl that I basically said at the time, I'm not going to watch. And it's petty, and it's maybe a little childish on my part. I mean, I had a lot of crap going on. I had to work, but I'm just tired of Tom Brady. I'm tired of him. I don't well, need him being propped up anymore by the NFL because they need to prove something that he is the greatest or whatever. It's like, you know what? I, I, I don't need to watch this. Yeah, it's not that, that I'm like, I'm sour grapes at all. It's just his behavior after the Super Bowl kind of appalled me because if this was Aaron Rodgers staggering around so stupid drunk, tossing the Lombardi trophy that I kind of hoped would have sunk to the bottom of the bay in uh, Tampa because that would have been amusing. If this was Rodgers, he would have been crucified in the, the court of public opinion had he done it. Well, yeah. it was just embarrassing. They're like, Brady's almost my age. You don't walk around stupid drunk at my age. Come on. Oh, I'm pretty sure you've done that, but you know, probably yeah, in my twenties, <laughs> perhaps. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I, I... You know. Half a lifetime ago, you know, I'm a grown ass adult now. You don't do that in public. So we got to talk the officiating. And, and I think that has to be the thing that's really struck the, the most devastatingly in Packer fans' hearts. We had an NFC Championship game that was essentially a 
you play it however the heck you guys want to play it. Until. Until. One play at the end, which we talked about in our last show, wasn't the end-all be-all. It it wasn't going to be the end of the game. It wasn't going to change the tide without a lot of other things happening after that. But the point was they didn't call anything the whole game. And then suddenly at the end, they did. And this has an impact on how you play the game. For every play they didn't call, for every time we saw the Buccaneers grab a jersey or or definitely do a hold, it didn't matter because it changed how the Packers played and it changed the swagger with which the Buccaneers could play. So it, it does impact the game in a way when the referees change from what's expected. And that's the consistency issue that we really have from the NFC Championship game to the Super Bowl. Oh, absolutely. And then you look at the Super Bowl, and they were calling every single ticky-tack offense that would have gone with impunity in two weeks before. And this is something that's been driven me absolutely nuts, and it's not necessarily impacting the Packers, but, but you watch games across the league, and the absolute inconsistency of, of referees' play. You know, I, I think the local crew that does the high school teams in my town does a better job as far as consistency goes. You know, is it well, because these are lawyers during the week that, you know, play, <laughs> play referee on the weekend? But the quality of the product is just stinks. Well... And obviously, this goes back to my entire conspiracy theory, which is the NFL has had a beef with the Patriots and a beef with Bill Belichick for quite some time. And now that you've taken Tom Brady away from the Patriots and the Patriots have sufficiently sucked this year, how do you really make a point to the Patriots and really send a message that was it the Patriots who made Tom Brady or Tom Brady who made the Patriots and... Yeah, it was there a, a conscious effort to allow Tom Brady to ascend to this position with a ridiculous number of rings? I, I don't know, but it, it's hard to sit back. I think even as a third party and look at this and say, "Yeah, there was something weird going on there." The fact that he suddenly assembled his Avengers that were all shockingly Patriots, you know, whether it was AB or whether it was Gronk, it's like suddenly he had all the toys he wanted too. That's not usually how free agency works or off of waivers work. It's like, oh, we all retired so that we can all conveniently end up on the same team. Well, and I suppose you can make the analogy back to the 96 Packers when, you know, obviously all these players from Santana Dotson and Reggie White and Don Beebe, all these guys kind of gathered. Maybe we benefited from that too, but it just felt like it was the Packers' year. It really felt like our charmed year. It felt like Aaron Rodgers was on point all season long. Our defense was playing just well enough to finally help him get over this NFC Championship hump. It's just hard to see that type of situation happen in today's NFL. No, and uh, to double down on some of my, my concerns about, about the refereeing, I think about Clay Matthews' last season with Green Bay. And any time things would start to click with him, he could call for some ridiculous roughing the passer call. That and was you're ridiculous. right. <laughs> <Yes>. You're right. <laughs> when the if the referees decide to to either call too much or call too little, it does affect the play. If you watched Clay, he became very gun shy and apprehensive any time he got near a quarterback, and it definitely impacted his play. So to say that that the, the referees aren't a factor they definitely are do am i blaming them for the packers loss no you don't get that far in the hole and blame blame the referees 
but it's not the first time the referees have have really affected the tone of a game and this seems to happen if it's not the packers it was i'm, I'm trying to think of the, the playoff game last year there was a major impact was it the saints that could be but because they're so inconsistent it, yeah their their decisions either to go heavy or to go too light really do impact it needs to be every game needs to be at least somewhere in the middle not extreme all calling everything or calling nothing and I don't see this level of inconsistency at top-tier collegiate football. 30 years from now, Kelly, it's there's not going to be human referees anymore. Everything's going to be all computer and lasers and uh, VR. I, you know, We're going to miss the human element, but yeah, I mean, I, you, you have to look and see that's where it's going with all of the replay already going on. Um, it, it I don't know what a catch is anymore. Or, or, or what, what is... What is, what is uh... Defensive pass interference. Right. Can, can you lay over them like a, like a really bad coat? Yeah, sometimes it's, it's it's completely acceptable. Can you spear somebody in the head and get away with it? Yeah, some games you can. But again, I'm not going to blame the referees for the Packers kind of wilting because we got outmatched, especially our offensive line versus Tampa's defense. There's no question about that. Absolutely. All right, well, let's bring that to an end of our first quarter. Time to move into our second quarter. Oh, my goodness. History seems to be somewhat repeating itself. We spend all these past two years with the hashtag FirePetton, and we're all excited to get rid of Mike Petton and just bring in anyone else except Mike Petton. And suddenly, the Green Bay Packers hire Joe Barry. <laughs> and Packer fans collectively go, wait, wait, anyone but him. But him anyone but him. That's Stop not that. the guy we wanted. Someone else besides Joe Barry and Mike Petton. All of that belly aching, who did they want specifically you know they wanted they wanted um leonard from from madison but with how fickle the nfl is the guy could finish out his career at wisconsin and not have to worry about putting his house on the market so i can totally see why he didn't leave because he really does have a good job in Madison. but after him who did they want instead of joe barry it certainly wasn't dom capers (laughs) you never know i think one thing that that has been his biggest knock is that he's had a couple of um, experiences already as a defensive coordinator, and he has not had a lot of success. I mean, a lot of of his defenses have ranked very low in the league, and that's making a lot of people gasp and say, we're supposed to get someone better. Well, you know, maybe Mike Patton wasn't that bad. I mean, maybe he was making some chicken salad out of some chicken gunk at times but when you're looking that perhaps next year is the window closing if it's not closed already you really want to bring someone in here yeah i mean you really want to bring someone in so matt lafleur brings in a guy that he worked with on staff he was worked with barry on the 217 rams he's a linebacker guy which when you look at our Packers defense, yeah, that's probably the area we'd like to see, especially those inside linebackers, really start becoming a factor. I don't know. What do you think? You know, everyone's comparing him to you know, his, his past tenure with the Washington football team. And spoiler alert, it really did not go well. But people were saying that about, about Matt LaFleur when he was, was hired. It's like, oh, he was offensive coordinator for the Titans. They really weren't that good. Sometimes you're only as good as the team you're given. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he has this past history with LaFleur tells me he could definitely have a working relationship and some chemistry with him. So I'm willing to give him a try. And you're right. Um, he definitely has experience developing linebackers. And right now that is the Packers Achilles heel. Because, 
you look at the secondary, we've got a pretty solid secondary. We're forming a terrifying defensive line when they're firing on all cylinders. Where's our, our deficit? It's, it's the linebackers. And to have somebody with that expertise, it might be the missing link in, 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 in the, whole, the whole picture here. Well, and he really is looking for a guy who's going to bring in that Vic Fangio scheme. You're talking about the 3-4, right? Yeah, yeah which we already run, but obviously Fangio already runs that in Denver. It's It's been a very powerful offense, which I find funny because we copied Denver when we first brought in the zone blocking scheme, uh, you know, about 15 years ago. Once again, we're going back to Denver. I don't recall Denver winning many Super Bowls uh, since that time, but here we go. Matt LaFleur, maybe this is something he's owning or he's saying this is the defense i want to run i have now put my thumbprint on this offense and nathaniel hackett's gonna you know take the reins during the game but now i'm ready to put my thumbprint on the defense it's my defense but here's the guy who's just going to hold the clipboard on Sunday. Maybe this is Matt LaFleur really taking ownership. I think that's a good point. You look at what he did with the offense last year. He transitioned from the McCarthy offense and kind of pulled Aaron Rodgers along last year until it was 100% the Matt LaFleur offense of this year. This past year, Pettin was one of the holdovers from the McCarthy era. Yeah, I think this is him pulling our defense into slowly shaping it into what he wants. And if you're doing a Fangio def- uh, 3-4, you need stout linebackers. You need that intensity. And for that to happen, I would not be surprised if we draft a linebacker early in the draft this time, as opposed to let's get another big fat body up on a defensive line or an offensive tackle, so though we need both. He needs so many needs. And we have to remember, we're, we're picking, what, 29th? Yeah, so <laughs> we did well enough not to get a good draft pick. Yeah, we're we're not getting uh, day one ready guys at, at twenty nine. You know, those are the guys who are coming in. You know, top ten, top five. You know, this is going to be essentially a second round draft pick, and, like and those are guys Gary. that it's going to be like yeah. Gary. You know, he's going to a year or two, and that's okay. But if you're trying to close in on that that Rogers window, uh, that might have to come in free agency, which we have no money for, by the way. Exactly. I'll tell you this, and this I found I found this just a last uh, a point to throw out here. I did a little deep dive on uh, Joe Barry's last season with Washington and went position by position of his starters. I want to say that I think there was no more than maybe two or three guys who remained on that defense. I think a year or two after he was gone, he he was holding it together with some pretty limited talent. I mean, I think he had one Pro Bowler on that entire defense. You can look, you can look at our defense, and between Jair and um, Kenny Clark and Zadarius and Rashawn Gary and um, the safeties, Adrian Amos and Savage, they've got some pretty solid guys through there. You're looking at. Maybe a couple spots on the defensive line they could shore up. Those middle linebackers, uh, maybe the other corner spot. Absolutely, but, the other corner spot. And the fact yeah. that you did not name a certain name really says a lot. <laughs> and I'm totally on board with that. All right. Well, that'll take us to the end of the second quarter. Moving on to the third quarter, some good news and some bad news. The Hall of Fame. We all crossed our fingers. And we were hoping we were going to see two Green Bay Packers secondary players from two different eras, but two different 
awesome eras. Both make the Hall of Fame at the same time. One made it, the other did not. And the other felt like a complete snub because I think he's worthy of it. I think Butler definitely deserves a place in, in canon. And I don't know why they keep snubbing him. Is it because you're in that no man's land of now you're getting to be 20 plus years out where the memory, everyone's warm and fuzzy memories of how good he was is starting to fade. So Leroy Butler misses the Hall of Fame. Uh, once again, of course, he was a, it was a, a tragic thing. John Lynch who most of us would say, certainly with our green and gold colored glasses, nowhere near as good as Leroy Butler. But I don't think he uh, is does as make good as Leroy in. Butler. I don't think that's being I subjective. But he got in. But, you know, John Lynch was he wasn't maybe a bad. little more of a personality. I mean, he, he... More of a personality? I would rather listen to somebody read the phone book than have him in the booth. He's like absolutely a zero <laughs> personality in the booth. And Leroy Butler, by the way, was an absolute, uh, <laughs> absolute personality too. Um, on a positive note, Charles Woodson, uh, who did play a, a good chunk of his career and got a Super Bowl victory in 2010 with the Packers, really was a, a leader who may have uh, had a somewhat of a Reggie White esque uh, impact, especially on the defense when he was brought in by Ted Thompson in 2007. Uh, did get in. So uh, we, we don't know if he's going in, quote-unquote, as a Packer or a Raider, which, of course, isn't but a thing you, anyway. You don't go in as one. You right, just go in as a football It isn't a thing player. anyway. But it's a little more pride for, of course, the Packers, another name to go up in the Ring of Honor. Um, but, you know, I'll tell you, I we've talked a lot about my favorite player uh, of all time, which, of course, is, is Sterling Sharp. And I believe this year was his last year of eligibility. Until you uh, get to be like the old timers, right? So, yeah, or whatever they right. do. Which really and, breaks my heart, by yes. the way. Mm-hmm. Because he's one of my favorite players, too. And he also had one of those ginormous personalities like Ro- Leroy Butler. I want to say those two, were, were they drafted the same year? I think they were. Or they were a year apart. Maybe yeah, I they think were they were a year apart. apart. I, think he, well, I, think, he, uh, yeah, I think he was... He was 89. If Sharp was 89, that means Butler must have been 90. Right. Because because back in the day when I was the kid working at training camp, those are two of the personalities that I still remember the most fondly. They were larger than life. They loved what they did. Right. Butler had this 90 style haircut that he kind of had his baseball cap on, on kind of cocked sideways with it. And, or, and they just had the swagger of you knew they were going to be good. It wasn't just, hi, I'm in the pros, I'm really hot stuff. But they had this confidence about them and this this, this personality where they, and, and just that absolute jo- love for the game. And it's just a damn shame that Sharp had to get hurt because we've said this before on the show. He would have been named up there with Jerry Rice had he had a full career. He might have even eclipsed Rice. We will never know. And... Yeah, we should not. Yeah, they do use stats to 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 determine who goes to the the Hall of Fame, but it's an absolute crime that they're not going to consider him because of his shortened career. Well, and I think part of what hurts Sterling Sharp is he had this incredible, prolific couple of seasons, you know, with a hundred plus receptions, which at that time was hadn't happened. You know, no, you, his, you first his first hundred his first hundred receptions it made it was like a hundred and four or something that he caught one season. Right. And it was like, oh my God, he's like Jerry Rice. But he managed to piss off everybody in the media because he wouldn't talk to them. And that doesn't doesn't help him either. It also doesn't help that shortly after he retired, even despite having those huge seasons, you had these uber prolific, this new generation of wide receivers, you know, whether it be 
uh, the Trellowans, whether it be the Randy Mosses, whether it be the Herman Moores, whether it be the or Megatron. Megatron yep. made it in this year. Exactly. And, and these were guys who did this with regularity and played full careers. So it, it does allow Sterling to get lost because even though he was pretty much the pioneer of this new generation of wide receivers, there were some guys who came after who I don't want to say they were better they than him. him. They eclipsed, they eclipsed him. him in terms of notoriety and legend, and and it's too bad. So yeah. I do think that Leroy Butler suffers from this same sort of uh, eclipse in the sense that you're playing for a small market team like the Packers. Uh, you know, larger market teams uh, may have gotten a little bit more attention for Sterling Sharp had he played for, say, you know, the 49ers uh, or Dallas in those days. Maybe he makes the Hall of Fame, but it, you know, face it, he played one playoff game, or excuse me, two playoff games, I think. Uh, one win, one loss, that's correct. And then he was, remember, he got hurt in his last season before the playoffs started. So the guy doesn't even have a legacy, really, in the playoffs, other than that one awesome touchdown he caught against the Lions that you know we see the replays of all the time. And if you think about the sands of time, um, as time goes on, they're really great and they're really crappy get lumped in with the okay because nobody can remember the specifics of it all and he's getting lumped into the okay because it's been so long right uh just real quick before we finish this out uh pro football reference if you ever get a chance to go there i know we talked about it in the previous week they have a great metric they use which is called their hall of fame uh monitor which provides a statistical number for every player and where they should land uh Leroy butler's number is well within range of someone who should be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Charles Woodson, of course, he was well above the average. Sterling Sharp, admittedly, was down there a bit. He's kind of down there with some of the Lynn Swans who are in the Hall of Fame. But again, it's his big, it's his incomplete is what, what, what hurts him. But he's and still again, there but for seven good. seasons. But he's, he's still there. Yeah. With a Lynn Swan and, and some of these other guys that were, you know, legends in the 70s. But it also just shows that, you know, if you're looking at statistics and metrics, how much has the game changed since Lynn Swan played, too, though? And it's changed a lot since even Sterling. He was, like you said, was the beginning of that, that, that tide of out-of-this-world receivers. Mm-hmm. And you look at his peers, you look at Randy Moss, as much as I cannot stand him as a, as a personality, he was absolutely fantastic. Uh, Megatron, uh, Calvin Johnson. Mm-hmm. And it just, it ushered in a new offense for the NFL. Right. All right. Well, we'll call that the end of the third quarter. And finally, we'll take it into our fourth quarter and a little bit of pride for the Packers. I guess it's going to have to settle as being our consolation prize. But Aaron Rodgers ends up going and winning the NFL MVP award. Most valuable player, his third uh, which, of course, will tie him with the great Brett Favre, uh, both now uh, Green Bay Packer quarterbacks with three MVPs. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers is a future Hall of Famer. I don't think anyone is going to argue than that. Even uh, uh, Pro Football Reference's Hall of Fame monitor, I think, has him fifth best quarterback of all time behind some guy named Brett Favre and Montana, Unitas, Brady, uh, something like that. But uh, what a great day. And, of course, he had... A little bit of an announcement during said acceptance speech. I loved the beat writer's responses to it. And he's like, and I'd like to thank my fiance. And they're all like, wait, what? <laughs> His fiance. 
Doesn't say who. There's rumors of who it could be, but we'll never be certain unless he confirms it. Right. And of Which, course, by he... the way, don't watch Divergent. I'm going to go off on a tangent right now. One of my <laughs> all-time favorite movies is The Descendants, not the Disney one. The one with George Clooney that's set in Hawaii. It's an outstanding film. Go see that instead of Divergent. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we had just found out, I think, the week prior that he was dating. And uh, she's a young actress by the name of Shailene Woodley. Wood- like, sorry. Like- Shailene Woodley. Woodley. Yes. From The Descendants. And uh, she, she is an interesting character. Um, definitely kind of an offbeat type, a little bit like Aaron Rodgers as well. But yeah, definitely said, hey, I, this is my fiance. And but he never said like, her name, so we didn't. He didn't. No, yeah, I'm going to assume. I'm, yeah, I'm, I assuming. I'm assuming. I'm assuming. I'm assuming. But you got to remember, he's just out of this relationship with Danica Patrick at you know the beginning of uh, last summer. And he talks so much about this personal growth he went through this offseason, through COVID, through training camp. And it's really shown up in terms of his Zen attitude on the field this year. And now all of a sudden he's engaged to this young actress. And he seems very, very happy. Yeah, there's this photo that uh, I think Evan Siegel took. It was from training camp. And I think it just really summed up Roger's state of mind this entire season. It's him in his red jersey just laying on the grass with his knees bent and looking up at the sky. And this looks like a guy that's very content with the station in life. Yeah, and and like I said, we can take a lot of pride in Aaron Rodgers, and we don't know what the future holds for him uh, with the Green Bay Packers. Uh, of course, was the flurry of activity as the season ended on whether or not Packers were going to try to trade him. And of course, we got the oh, stamp down from Murphy and Lafleur and everyone else saying, "Which team Ant was trying staying. to get him?" Because I remember, like, like the Rams. You're kidding me, which is like, ha, no, that's really Ram- funny. I know. No, the Rams said that they were going to try to get uh, Rodgers before they went out and got Stafford. Yeah, so, that's just yeah. reeked of desperation. It's like, hey, what do you have for us? Yeah. You know, give me all your defense, and maybe we'll talk. But no, I think that was much ado about nothing, about, well, I'm going to be here again. Well, then, like, two days later, he's like, well, I'm planning on being here if they'll have me. And then Lafleur is like, yeah, we'd like to have him too, which tells me he's not going anywhere next year. Everyone can just chill out. Mm-hmm. But I think we are seeing the end of the Rogers era. So the Zen Rogers I saw, I think, is kind of just enjoying the, the final ride. You know, he mm-hmm. wanted to win. It was a heartbreaker that he didn't. And it's a heartbreaker for the rest of the team, for that matter. Oh, you mean those guys? Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. Too. Well, I'm just saying, well, I, 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 I miss. Stop I, that. I, you know, it's, it's not Brett Favre's team. He's no, not I'm the still team. picturing him laying on the grass the enjoying the ride is what I'm still doing. Right. But um, I think, you know, you didn't see him completely gnashing his teeth. Um, yeah, he's, yeah, it's stung. But this isn't a guy that was angry. This is a guy that, that when by the time he got his award, seemed like he was ready to move on past that loss. Yeah, and I, I, you know, he he knows. You know, he won that Super Bowl, I think, in his his what is it, his fifth year, fifth yeah, sixth like year, twenty seven so. or twenty eight. Yeah, I mean, that's really your prime, and you do see obviously quarterbacks like Brady who you know keep winning into their thirties and forties. But he knows how rare this is. He knows how hard it is to get there. He's lost in way too many NFC Championship games. Um, it, it, it's devastating. But you know, in fact, speaking of which. Let's end the fourth quarter right here. And we're going to move into some overtime. Yay, overtime. Yay, overtime. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I almost want to just mute this guy's name on Twitter. It's like, 
crap or get off the pot, dude. Jersey Al Bracco? No, we're yeah, not going to yeah, Jersey Al Bracco. Quick, make fun of Jersey Al. He didn't come on the show tonight. <laughs> so the Green Bay Packers are in a bit of a world of hurt when it comes to the salary cap. We knew coming in that uh, the Packers were $20 million already in debt. Uh, they restructured David Bakhtiari's contract, which I think saved about $3 million off next year's uh, salary cap. Which, but, in the grand know, scheme of things, is not that much. Right. You know, you're still looking at, at, at probably having to part ways with Preston Smith. Uh, you're looking at a couple other players that they're going to have to... Billy Turner probably is another one. Corey Lindsley. Uh, well, but Car- Corey Lindsley and Aaron Jones don't count on next year's cap because they're free agents, so oh. that's an addition to them. Oh, so, oh. Yeah. I, not, I, didn't real, I knew Jones was in that boat. Yet. I didn't realize Lindsley was. Oh, sure. Oh. So, so we have you know a situation in which the Packers are really over the barrel on salary cap, and then what happens... As much as you're trying to convince the Packer Twitterati that, hey, you know, we're not going to be able to sign every free agent, you know, like you beg and plead for every single year, every single offseason, and then, then the Houston Texans release. At his J. request. At his J. J. request. J.J. Watt. So, and then it doesn't help that J.J. Watt starts posting pictures at some local high school of him lifting, you know, the gym saying, and then with the caption, all gas, no break. Yep. And then, let me keep going. The conspiracy theory is somebody charting <laughs> a uh, private jet from the Waukesha area. Translation, shooting a stone's throw from Pewaukee, where he lives in the offseason, to Green Bay. That could be nothing. There's private right. jets in and out of Green Bay all the time. And then, you hear, I'm, I'm, gonna go, I'm on a roll. Keep going, that, keep going. That the determining factors of where J.J. Watt will land will be, one, a quarterback. We have that. Two, a chance at the Super Bowl. We always do. Three, money. Wait a second. Are we there, like like going through the Packer couch looking for loose change to, to, to pay him? <laughs> I would love him to be there. You know, granted, he's an injury magnet and he's a little little long in the tooth now, but I would love his locker room presence. And it's so obvious he loves the Packers <laughs> at the point where he's like obnoxiously a fanboy in the offseason. Yeah, and the hard part is, and I've seen some very, very intelligent Packer fans on Twitter, whom I respect, who are writing articles trying to justify somehow that we need to sign J.J. Watt. And and I keep looking and I says, guys, he, he, we still have to cut $21 million just to get to zero and let Aaron Jones go and let Corey Lindsley go and let Preston Smith go. We, we would be mortgaging any future that we have, and that's something that I've long said we can't afford to do, people have to understand that the salary cap is not going through the sofa and trying to find more money. The Packers have more than enough money in their coffers. It's a jigsaw puzzle in which we already have too many pieces in the jigsaw puzzle, and by the time we throw away the ones who don't, there's like this tiny little hole, tiny little piece that maybe we can fill something in, and J.J. Watt is this huge, massive piece that's never going to fit into that jigsaw puzzle. And even with the hometown discount, I don't think we can afford him. No, no. But it, it it is true. J.J. Watt would love to play for the Packers. The Green Bay Packers would love to have J.J. Watt on the team. Green Bay Packer fans 
would love. They would to lose have, their minds. Lose their mind because we got so screwed over with TJ Watt when we passed him up for Kevin King. Oh my God. Don't <laughs> you know. like, thank you, C D. Why are we talking about This is it. This is good chance to make up for this. Which we've been waiting for for all these years. Now we just got to sign the 30-something-year-old guy who's sort of on a decline. For like Uh, a gazillion dollars. Exactly. So. He's a good Scotty boy. I totally get it. And But the big question for Packer fans is who are you going to give up then? The latest conversation is signing him probably means we don't get to re-sign Jair Alexander when his contract comes Ugh, I'd rather keep Alexander. He's 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 still ascending. And people have to understand, you know, and Andrew Brandt, whom I love. I've, I've gotten to interview him a couple times. Oh, uh, he's one of the smartest minds in football. Yes. Can I just tell you that? Yeah, she's had TV draft articles. He's always the guy I call <laughs> and say, can I, can I interview you again for this article? He's like, sure. And I'm like, I really don't have to talk to you. I just enjoy doing it. But, you know, Andrew Brandt really spells it out well. And he says, your calorie, your salary cap space has to have a balance of your big contracts, guys who sign, sign contracts after their first contract and your free agents. But every time you sign one of those people, you have to balance it with first year contract guys. Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, all these guys who've been huge contributors, but still on their first deal. Every time you re-sign the David Bakhtiari, the Aaron Rodgers, the Darius Smith, the Preston Smith, um, all these guys to these huge, massive contracts, you need Darnell Savage continuing to make his his rookie deal. Well, I think a good a good visualization for that is everyone's seen this on like social media. It's like you're giving 15 bucks and form your, form your, your, your dream team. And you get to pick, you know, mm-hmm. you can get as many or a few people as you want. And like an Aaron Rodgers is like five bucks. And the Zedarius Smith is probably a $4 deal. Mm-hmm. So there's nine bucks right there. Well, you need, you know, you can, you can get three, you know, three players for five bucks each, or you can get like spend five bucks and then buy a bunch of $1 ones. <laughs> And, I guess and you make more bang for your me, buck. Right. And, what, what bothers me is that Packer fans are now building this expectation that maybe we're going to sign him. And when he goes and signs with the Browns. Or, now, or the Steelers. You or know, the that's Steelers. What I figure that's where he's going to land. He's going to play with his brothers. Yeah. I mean, now you're going to have this finger pointing again at Brian Gutekunst. Why didn't you sign him? I know. Troll, and, troll, troll. <laughs> and, and, you know, and I'll be happy. I can put Brian Gutekunst into the crosshairs. I, I... But not for, for this. Years, but not for this. You can't keep spending so much money on free agents. You know, Ted Thompson did have the right idea in which you're constantly investing in your draft picks. You're constantly investing on developing from within. You're a contender every year. The Packers are now looking at literally going all in and mortgaging the future in the hopes that what? We go to another NFC championship game? And lose? Ooh. Ooh. It's tough. No, it's going to be, you need to invest to win, not to feel good. I love J.J. Watt. He's one of my favorite players in the NFL. I'm an insufferable homer. You've never mentioned this. No, never. But he, he's a feel-good <laughs> pick. He's a feel-good pick. I, I like his I like his locker room presence. I don't know how much of a shelf life he would have, and would that justify how much we're going to pay? Which, it's a pie in the sky. Yeah, it's nice. I've seen the photoshops of them with green and gold jerseys on. It would be fun if he'd go for the league minimum, but that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. 
no. And and this is if the Packers really wanted to make up for not taking JJ Watt in 2011, yeah, they should have taken TJ Watt but <laughs> instead they of Kevin not. King. And they and didn't. I'm so I mean, we just have to move it. on. Got to move on. So anyway, that'll take us to the end of overtime. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the end of our show. And it's the end of our season. That's it. Take us out, Kelly. Thank you so much for joining us on Cheesehead Radio as we come to the end of our 11th season. Make sure to head over to PackersTalk.com where you can explore several unique Packers podcasts. Please follow at PackersTalkNet on Twitter and like us on Facebook. Cheesehead Radio and all Packers Talk podcasts can be found on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or your favorite podcatching app. If you like what you heard, show us some love and leave us a review. You can also find us on Siri, Alexa, or Google just by saying, Play Packers Talk Podcast. That's a season CD. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. It's going to be a long off season. <laughs> and I'm not even ready to start the Not at all. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll talk to you soon. Keep an ear out for our next episode of Cheese Good Radio right here on the Packers Talk Network. Good night. Cheese Head Radio.